that, let me introduce my guest that I have here tonight. Um, she's incredible, and I'm really excited to have her here. This is Melissa Barrison. She is a classically trained violinist. Um, she grew to encompass rock, country, jazz, gypsy, blues, pop, and even reggae. Uh, she has played for artists such as Rihanna, The Killers. She's open for CeeLo Green um, and P.O.D., She's made television appearances on Ellen DeGeneres, uh, Marie Osmond show, and she has performed in the NFL LA Rams halftime show, the NHL pregame show, and NBA all-star game halftime show. Uh, she's based here in Southern California, and she is a great member of the San Diego music community, and I am so happy to have her. Let's bring her on right now. Hello, Melissa. Hi, thank you, so you? Much for having me. <laughs> thank you. Thanks for doing this. We've been trying to connect to do this for a long time. Oh, I know. Tell me about it. You're a busy gal. You're a very busy gal. Um, but that's wonderful. We were just chit-chatting a little bit before we started that. Um, I think we're all kind of feeling this. Things are really starting to ramp up. And it seems like in the last week or two, there's been the, this like firestorm of... <laughs> Absolutely. Oh. Absolutely. It's just been crazy, but it's good. I mean, we, we can't complain. <laughs> no, definitely not. <laughs> definitely not. Well, so let's, let's back up and talk about um, pre COVID before all of this hit, what was going on for you professionally? What were you doing and what kind of came to a screeching halt for you? And how did you transition into our uh, quarantine life? Absolutely. Um, so before quarantine, before COVID was ever a thing, I had um, recently quit my job, my day job, and became a full-time musician, um, which technically for the last few years, I've been full-time and with a day job, if you count the hours that I've put into it. But I was actually ready to step away from my office job and just do music, which was phenomenal. I'd been doing it uh, through the fall and winter. And um couple weeks before lockdown, I was in, actually the week before, I was in Cancun. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, with some guys from Nashville. They were playing a show out there um, at the Hard Rock Riviera. And then um, maybe three days before lockdown, it was four days. It was the 10th. I was in Vegas with my uh, um, country, country band, cover band. Uh, young Guns, and we were in Vegas, and all the flights got canceled. They were all grounded, oh and we had to rent it. We were like, what? Why are the flights canceled? We don't understand. <laughs> and I ended up driving a, a van of all of us back to San Diego that day. So, um, yeah, life was good. I was about to have the best uh, fiscal year of my career, yes. doubling my income at, for the last three years, and uh, instead I – went completely the opposite direction. <laughs> I don't think my tax return has been this low since before college. <laughs> um, so yeah, a lot of changes. Um, but um, I actually had the Union Tribune um, do a, a little story on me asking, you know, you know, what, what was, um, what was it like going into quarantine and I told them I was like well honestly it felt like my first retirement <laughs> yeah <laughs> I'd wake up every morning wait I don't have to put makeup on I don't have to wear heels I don't have to carry gear I don't uh -huh. have to respond to your text today 
Um, so yeah, the first, the first couple of months was just nice to just stop and take a breather and like smell the roses and do things for me and clean out my junk drawer and just be a normal person. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so I really relate to that. <laughs> yeah. How long was it until you, um, started feeling less vacation-y about this and more like, okay, we need to get things moving here. Yeah. It was probably about three or four, probably three months in, um, when I started, you know, to run out of, I had a bunch of checks, uh, you know, from, from other bands and, and gigs and stuff that I hoarded. Um, I don't know why. It was just coincidence that I had hoarded like a ton of checks and it was perfect timing. So once I started to run out about the three month mark, I was like, ooh, what's my income going to be? <laughs> I still have bills to pay and I don't have income. Uh, so that was kind of the, the first wake up call of like, all right, we need to we need to get some money coming in. And then um, I was really lucky to pick up some work as a bookkeeper online, remote mm -hmm. work from home kind of thing. Um, and then a friend of mine was in Nashville with his family and they had, um, a startup, uh, video production company and they hired me as social media marketing manager. So I was able to just, um, do like music videos and be in charge of, you know, Instagram, Facebook videos, those kind of thing. Um, and then I came back to San Diego end of the summer. And things really still hadn't opened up yet. I didn't have any gigs on the calendar. And I'm like, oh, all right, vacation's over. My jobs are done. There's no jobs on the horizon. I've spent more than half my life dedicated to a career that is now basically illegal. Like if wow. you can imagine yeah. uh, someone going to school for you know, 10 years to be a doctor and now they can't be a doctor and make money doing that. What do they do? It's like, well, yeah. do I do complete career shift? What do I do? So it's been, it, it was, it's been really hard. Yeah. I'm not going to lie, like mentally and emotionally having to come to terms with how, I don't want to say disposable my job is, um, but just, it is so quick to be the first thing to go. Mm -hmm. uh, but on the silver lining of that, it's been the first thing, one of the first things to come back in abundance. And <laughs> yeah. um, people are just so much more appreciative of it now and hungry for it. And yeah, it's been beautiful. Yeah, I like that you point that out too, because we are an industry that is among one of the hardest hits, you know, events. Um, mm -hmm. and, and we've been out the longest, the last to go back, but, yeah. I think this year will probably be the best year we've all ever had. I think we're in for a huge windfall of gigs yeah. to just fall from the sky for us. And we just need to hold our arms out and be ready to embrace them. <laughs> Absolutely. I think the next couple of years are just going to be uh, a rejuvenation. Yeah. Um, a modern day Renaissance era. <laughs> yes. I'm ready for it. Uh, me too. <laughs> yeah. Were you able to do any projects at all during quarantine or any, um, any live gigging or did you get into live streaming or anything like that? Yeah. Um, so I actually tried a few different avenues. Obviously I, you know, continue doing recordings. I did more recordings, remote recordings for, uh, people all over. I did some from Canada and Nashville and Florida and LA. 
which was great. Um, I did some long distance duets. Um, I started doing Colvisac concerts where I had like a little battery powered amp and I'd go set up for the Colvisac and everyone would sit in their driveway and, and I would just play for an hour or so. Um, my best friend and I actually stayed with her during quarantine. Um, we started this thing called Viogram, which is like a telegram, but a violin gram. And she oh, has nice. this like really cool Donaldi, like black SUV. And I'd get up, go up to the sunroof and stand on top of her car, and play my music. And we'd drive to like people's houses and I'd be playing on top of the car, happy birthday, or <laughs> there was a lot of drive-by birthdays. So that was really fun. That was actually a, an income revenue. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's so that great. Was really great. Yeah. I love that. Um, so I, if you could describe what your, your act is, like what your show is, because what you do is really, really unique. You know, um, you're not, you're not a, like a, you know, a quartet orchestra that shows up for like a wedding. I'm sure you have done that before, of course, but what you do is really, you're like a one woman show and it's really, really cool. So describe what your show is like. Well, thank you. First of all, <laughs> um, I do try to stand out and as much as classical and orchestral, uh, small ensembles are my background and that's what I went to school for. I love it. Um, I wanted to try something different and I'm still exploring. I'm still, trying to fine tune what that is. Um, basically, you can find me performing anywhere, uh, just solo with, you know, backing tracks, DJing, um, roaming, you know, electric violin, strolling electric violin, or I'll team up with a DJ. And we just did, uh, I did one uh, downtown at Meze, where it was a glow stick party. <laughs> so that was really fun. I like danced on the bar and <laughs> Had a blast. Um, you can catch me with uh, 15, 20 piece dance bands with a three part horn section, um, two, even two violins, um, country bands, original cover. I mean, you name it. What I, I've played for James Addiction, uh, tribute bands, Cure, Bon Jovi, 80s bands. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. Yes. Yeah. You, you've gone completely contemporary with the violin and you know, what you do is so, um, so high energy. I mean, you dance, you play, um, you, you know, roam through your, your audience and everything. Um, it's really amazing. And I, I think it's really yeah. cool that you've kind of carved out that niche thing for yourself. Thank you. uh, what made you think to like <laughs> do this for coming from a classical background? Well, I grew up being a dancer and I didn't okay. think I was going to be a professional violinist. I wanted to dance. My dream when I was a little kid was to be a backup dancer for Britney Spears and NSYNC. Okay. <laughs> um, but obviously that wasn't as realistic and that didn't happen. So um, I stuck with violin and I was able to um, start branching out into rock and roll. I love the doors. I love Led Zeppelin. And I, I basically I'm just a wannabe guitar player. I okay. mean, I'll stand next to a guitar player and steal all the, their licks. And then after being in the rock scene for a while, um, I had a few letdowns where the bands I was playing with, like they were touring with the Killers and things like that. They were like, hey, Melby, sorry, we can't take you. You know, you're extra. You're not really a, a, an essential part of the band. You're just kind of the sprinkles. And I was like, man, that 
that sucks. If I had a dollar for every time I heard that. Oh, wow. Um, so then I got into country and I realized, oh, you need me to be country. <laughs> and, um, you know, I just naturally, when I play, I feel the music, I'll just start moving. And, you know, sometimes I have to like, remember to tone it down based on who I'm playing with. <laughs> um, but then people started comparing me to Lindsey Sterling. And I was like, oh, yeah. all right, I'll take that. You know, she's been very um, essential in, in breaking, breaking the mold. So let's do country Lindsey Sterling. <laughs> let's do yeah. Lindsey Sterling line dance, and, you know, all that stuff. So that's kind of the niche I've carved out for myself and I don't think anyone else is doing it yet knock on wood <laughs> no no it's very cool and and you're as a result you are a regular a regularly featured um player at uh, moonshine flats right yeah moonshine flats moonshine beach those places are home yeah yeah um I watch you know I see your social media posts and everything and it just it looks like so much fun you're even you're even out there like literally line dancing while you're playing I mean <laughs> yeah it's it's a blast um and it's it's hard I realized why uh you don't you haven't seen it yet and it's just it's really really hard yeah really <laughs> Why did I decide to do this? Yeah. Oh, my oh gosh. What did I get myself into? All right. Well, we're going for it. So. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, let's, well, let's back up even more and um, go way back when you decided to pick up the violin. Did you come from a musical family? And what was your, how'd your musical journey start out? Um, okay. So. I grew up with my mom, single parent. Um, we lived below the poverty line. Uh, so there wasn't like instruments lying around the house. She didn't play. Um, we lived in an apartment complex up in the Bay and she was really good friends with the apartment manager um, who was a former member of the San Jose Symphony. Mm. And they're like, oh, get little Melissa to play violin. And of course I hated it. You know, I was like, mom, I'm gonna throw this instrument out the window. It sucks so hard. And my mom, like, basically forced me to keep playing it. And I think she knew in the long run that that was going to be a very critical aid to getting me to the next step mm -hmm. of the social economic, you know, stepping stone, yeah. um, which she was absolutely right. <laughs> absolutely right. I mean, I had great grades and all that, but um, music, I just can't even begin to explain the incredible places, the incredible people, uh, the homes, the parts of the world I've been to because of music. I mean, I grew up thinking I'd never even be on an airplane and I've been to, you know, Jamaica twice and Costa Rica and, <laughs> you know, all these amazing places. So, um, yeah, I started when I was in like fourth grade and, um, had private lessons for maybe a couple months. And then my next private lesson wasn't until college. Um, yeah. Just learned from it, sitting next to other people that took lessons. <laughs> yeah. And is that what you went to school for? Yeah. I graduated from Point Loma Nazarene University uh, oh, okay. for music. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. And so did you jump right into the music scene once you got out of college? Or did you um, have a day job? and? <laughs> Yeah, I, I always wanted to have a day job. 
Um, I was slowly integrating my way into the music scene. I started my sophomore year just playing for free, playing anywhere. I mean, I remember sitting outside of Casbah um, mm -hmm. when I was 20 and they wouldn't let me in. They would let me in for sound check. And then I sat outside for four hours <laughs> until 11 o'clock when we went off. Oh my God. Cold. Um, but yeah, I always had a day job um, because I didn't want music to become a job. I wanted to be able to have the financial freedom to pick and choose what gigs I took. I didn't want to say, I have to have this many students. I have to take these many jobs. I have to charge this much. I just wanted it to be fun and enjoyable. Um, and also the money that I made playing music, I would put into a separate fund to go back into creating, like buying instruments or hiring my friends who are videographers, just going back into the arts world. Yeah, um, that's so, nice. So, yeah. Yeah, very cool. Um, and then I, well, fast forward to, you know, just a few years ago, you then decided, um, well, I'm a singer now too. And <laughs> you started doing some lead singing work. And I remember oh, when this all happened, um, oh, what was the band that you started? It was the- The Highwayman Show. The Highwayman. That's right. Yes. Um, and I remember you posting something about like, um, you know, I've never been a lead singer, but you know, I want to, I really want to do this. I want really want to give it a try. And then yeah. I watched the video of you singing. I'm like, really? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> you just happened to pick this up. <laughs> I mean, you're great. You're just, are you just a natural singer? Have you always been singing? No, I've always loved to sing and I've always yeah. sang. Um, honestly, I thought I could sing until I got into college and I had a few professors there say oh well you're just a background singer like you're you're oh. good your voice is good for blending you're vibrato you don't really have good control over it you're not a lead singer you're not a soprano you're a blending voice and i was like oh well they're my professors they must know best so i'm gonna listen to them so moving forward when people asked if i could sing i always said no i said i'll, I'll do harmonies but even then it took a lot of my friends kicking me and putting a microphone in my face to do harmonies. Um, yeah. yeah. Finally, one day I was just like, Tony Strassi called me and he was like, Hey, you can sing. Will you sing with the highwayman? Here's the song list. And I was like, well, those are kind of in my range. Like, I think I can do that. He, he's professional. He, he wants me. I must not be that bad. So yeah. I did it. And then he asked me to come back again and again. And that's when I was like, okay, I should like listen to my peers. <laughs> and um, I do enjoy it and I love it. And um, it's been it's been really fun adding that as part of my, my brand as a singer songwriter, yeah. um, especially coming out of quarantine. That's something that I've really focused on um, because you can't be a show pony forever. <laughs> yeah. And I really would like to, to do some writing and and have something, you know, potentially pay me when I'm, I can't dance in heels anymore. <laughs> yeah. Now, are you marketing yourself as a singer now? Like, is, is this, how, how does it incorporate into what you do now? Do you um, just make it a part of your own solo show or are you actively like seeking singing gigs or do you always need to be, you know, playing and singing or, you know, how do well, you do it? Yeah. Um, with the Highwayman show, they, I was the singer and I 
begged and kicked and screamed to have my violin in my, in my hand while I sang, because that is my security blanket. So, right. you know, I think right now, um, well, I can't even say that right now, because I just opened for Shane Hall, just with me on a guitar last week. The scariest thing about peeing my pants. <laughs> oh, you playing guitar? <laughs> I played guitar and sang. Oh, wow. <laughs> Only five songs, but uh, I didn't get booed off the stage, I'll tell you that. Um, yeah, so like I said, I'm still trying to fine tune what my solo show is. I'm, you know, went from country Lindsey Sterling to, you know, now I'm trying to do Charlie Daniels meets Lindsey Sterling and mm -hmm. go down that route mixed with, you know, my own flair. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. um, yeah, uh, I know with the moonshine, uh, gigs, I continually express like, hey, I can sing that. Hey, I can sing that. Um, and just letting them know and being confident. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, oh, that's very cool. So, so that's really courageous, you know, especially having had a little bit of, um, I don't know if we want to call it trauma from our, you know, our uh, professors and everything. It, yeah, it, does. it, really it happens. Does. I can't tell you with, with as many people as I've coached with, um, and just, you know, knowing singers, nearly everyone has a story about that where somewhere in childhood or even, you know, going up, growing up through our schooling, somebody said even one comment one. and it's amazing how we process that and how it just digs its way into our soul and kind of crushes these ideas that we have about ourselves and we carry it forever. And it's really Word. amazing that you kind of faced it and, and turn, flip the script on that. Wow. Words are very powerful. And I, I believe that I live that I'm recovering from that. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I had my share of bullies growing up for sure. Um, I just, the only thing that makes me sad is that it took me this long mm -hmm. to to face that and, and get over that and see, hey, you know what? You can actually do it. So yeah. not better late than never. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think you're gonna have plenty of plenty of time to make it up because I think you're you're on fire. I mean, you're you. it just seems like your career is just booming and with this upcoming year that or the next couple of years. I bet you're going to have plenty of opportunities to sing. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like you're kind of um, living, somewhat living between San Diego and Nashville because you're traveling a lot back and forth. What are you doing over in Nashville? Um, so actually, I feel like about half of my friends that I've made in the country scene here in San Diego have all moved and migrated. Oh. So part of it is just visiting friends. And the other part, I've got a couple full-time job offers uh, as a fiddle player over there. Um, I, I want to take it up. That, that city just calls me. I love it. Yeah. Um, it's very fulfilling. It's challenging. Uh, I'm not challenged in San Diego like I am challenged out there music-wise. Mm -hmm. um, and um, even, even singing. That was one of the things going out there. I think that was when I decided, Tony, when he called me to, to sing with him, I was in Nashville. And I had been playing on Broadway and, and at cafes and, th and things like that. And I was like, you know what? Nashville gave me the confidence. So mm -hmm. that city is very, to me, it's very special. It's very magical. Something 
amazing happens every single time I go there. I meet someone incredible. I have an incredible story and I grow exponentially with every trip. So (laughs) it's my home away from home. I, I love Nashville with all my heart. Yeah. Do you think you're headed for a move there? Um, I will tell you, I've attempted to move there three times in the last three years. I've put $2,500 down on apartments and roommates. (laughs) I still to this day have a Penske truck rental that I reserved over a year ago and I push it out. They call me every two months like, hey, (laughs) you're moving truck rentals dates. Are you you still want to do it? You know, we can hold the price for you because, you know, moving prices have skyrocketed since quarantine. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's I still have that Penske truck. I just keep bumping it out. But um, I do have a trip coming up there at the end of next month um, to visit some friends and do some work, um, hopefully do some writing and maybe do a music video while I'm out there too. Mm-hmm. But oh. Timing is like everything. You have the option, you know? Yes. You have the option to go if you want. But yeah, mm-hmm. Nashville is an amazing, magical place. So that's very but so is San Diego. San Diego's yeah, home. that's true. I'm a Cali girl, like totally. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> and there's something to be said about representing um, the country scene out here in the wild, wild west. Mm-hmm. You know, country's not just in the south. California has it too. And part of me wants to like dig my heels in and be, not move so that I can be like, I'm California country. <laughs> it's a yeah. thing. So. Yeah, SoCal country, it, it really is its own thing. Me coming from a country background as well, um, I don't know if you see this going between Nashville and here, but I've always found SoCal country to be very, um, it's way more contemporary. They really re- embrace more of the contemporary styles of country. Um, yeah. It's not as much of the, you know, um, uh, Garth Brooks era you know, a little bit of that, um, definitely, you know, not so much the classic scene. Um, I'm more of a, you know, classic early nineties era country. That's, I just love it so much. And there's definitely contemporary country I like too, but, um, what, what vein of country is your jam? So I'm going to be honest about five years ago, I hated country. And I judged anybody who listened to it. I didn't understand <laughs> it. I, I even remember there was a guy I dated in college that loved country and I used to make fun of him. And when I started playing fiddle, like Americana, that was my bridge, I slowly began to understand what country music was and the heart and soul of it. Sorry, I have my bird in the background. <laughs> um, and when I decided, okay, this is the genre I'm going to go into, um, I knew that I, I couldn't just be a poser. I can't just go in here like, oh, yeah, I play fiddle. I'm going to fake it. Here's my flashy cowgirl. But I was like, no, that's not cool. Yeah. Learn, learn the history. You know, learn about Waylon. Learn about Garth. Learn about, you know, <laughs> Loretta Lynn, all of those all those big hitters. Um, And so, and I had to turn on the pop country station, which I thought at the time was God awful, (laughs) but I love it now. And, and line dancing has been a huge, huge help Mm -hmm. to broaden my, my listening range and spectrum and, and having appreciation for pop country and, you know, old country and swing and, you know, all these 
different facets of, of what makes country music today and, and where it came from in the history of it. I just, it's such a rich culture. Mm -hmm. Country is, it's culture. It's, yeah. you know, it has its own American history. It has um, its own community, which I love. And what I love most about it, especially in California and modern day is that there's no race. There's no age. Like when I go dancing, there's people of all ages, all mm -hmm. colors, all backgrounds. Yeah. And it's, it's beautiful. And it, it's, that's what speaks to me the most. Yeah. Um, so as far as what I like, I like it all. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I, I love that the country scene has changed that way too. And, um, it's funny. My, uh, when I, when I was playing a lot more country years ago, my support band, which is most of the guys that I work with now, we're not country guys at all. And I think that they, you know, um, took the gig because it was a good gig, but yeah. you know, wasn't necessarily the the style of music that they loved. But I know it really grew on them. And because yeah. I would hear the conversations about like, wow, I really like this song, you know, and and I I, just, I don't think enough people give it a chance. No. And the I used to think the writing, that was one of the biggest things because I, I grew up loving creative writing and my mom was a poet. Mm. So I used to think country music writing was just cheesy and terrible mm -hmm. but when you really it's when you really read it and and think about it and, and look at the imagery that you know the songs paint it's very clever mm -hmm. a lot of thought goes into it and you know i, just, I have just gotten a new appreciation for it absolutely yeah so. yeah who was i'm i'm kind of out of the loop on um really like the newer newer stuff that's happening um who who do you like right now brandy carlisle is probably oh my, my god i love her gym. she's amazing love. um yeah i love me some brandy carlisle right now um cam is another great artist she's from i think originally from orange county moved out to nashville i think she's back um she's great is she yeah. the, is she was she burning house yeah okay yeah yeah um definitely she's got some some new songs out since then definitely go check her out okay. um chris stapleton's probably a, a great example of a newer one although he's been writing for you know a lot of these country artists for years and even has a like a bluegrass what is it uh steel drivers band phenomenal um yeah those are probably my my top three heavy hitters <laughs> yeah uh, all, all ones I like too. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Um, but I want to make sure that I give a shout out to, uh, everyone in our comments. Um, Chuck Phillips is out there and he says, good evening, ladies. Hello, Chuck. Oh, it's Hi. awesome to have you joining us. And, um, they, there's someone else in the comments here. Their name is not showing up. So I'm sorry. I don't know your name. You can pop it back into the chat if you want to, but they say um, a high school friend, Mark Thompson, lives in Nashville, toured for years with the Judds and has a studio, sweetbriarrecording.com. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to ask you about, um, so I'm doing this summit, right? And really the objective behind it is to 
help um, address financial literacy within our community and really help um, singers identify multiple streams of income and really flip that or reframe the idea of being a starving artist, you know, because as you know, you can make a very good living <laughs> being uh, a musician and a singer. And um, I don't think all the op all the opportunities that make that possible are widely known to a lot of um, younger musicians and younger singers. So for you in your career, what, what are the different channels of income that you have like amongst like live performing or having, you know, a solo act or doing, um, you know, session work or what are all the various things that you have branched out into to kind of make a collective good income? And I know you have a lot. <laughs> well, yeah, um, that is a, a great question. Um, I mean, everything from obviously recordings, um, recording from home makes it super easy. Um, you know, the wedding industry, mm -hmm. um, going that route, um, like corporate, I've got a few booking agents that do specifically just, you know, corporate events, um, and bigger things like that. Um, smaller shows throughout San Diego, working with friends, you know, doing the restaurant, coffee shops, um, teaching, um, giving lessons. Um, trying to think what else. Um, master classes. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty much the bulk of it. Um, yeah. I mean, it takes a I, lot of them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, quality over quantity. Um, yes. That was something I had to learn because there was a point in my career where I was working seven days a week. Mm -hmm. uh, I had a gig or two gigs uh, every day. Mm -hmm. Even on Sundays, I had church. And after about two or three years of doing that straight, I was burnt out and I was ready to become a dentist. <laughs> <laughs> so I realized, all right, you know, demand for what I do is high. Let's up the price. So mm -hmm. work smarter, not harder. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I almost think that's kind of just a necessary lesson that we all have to learn when we're first starting out. Because when you're, you know, when you're just kind of acclimating yourself to the scene, you really do have to immerse yourself and, and get involved with a lot of different projects and a lot of different people, um, you know, to see what's out there, where you, where you fit in. And a lot of times that means saying yes to everything. You got to pay and, your dues. Yeah. And I'm not one to, you know, encourage anyone to burn themselves out or anything, but yeah. You know, if you're if you're young and new and, and you, you know, don't have a family to take care of or you don't have other, you know, financial obligations or or family obligations, that's the time in your life to really take advantage of that and just, you know, do everything you can. And then you'll find yourself in a position like you are now where you can be more choosy and, yeah. you know, say say no to other things. Right. I would say. If you are if you are a younger artist starting out and you already know what you want to do, you already have your show, your set, your sound, your brand dialed in, and and you've got it. 
I would say you don't need to pay your dues. I would say find a huge thing would be find a mentor, find mm-hmm. someone in the industry that's doing relatively what you want to be doing that's successful and be mentored by them. So that way they can tell you what's worth paying your dues and when it's not. I wish I had that because I probably would have spent half the time paying my dues <laughs> than I actually did. And I would have, you know, been a singer songwriter five, 10 years ago than starting now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Great, great, great advice. Um, well, speaking of singing, singer songwriter too, have you gotten into like sync licensing and all of that yet? Or are you just still, still building your catalog? Still, yeah, still building that. Um, my goal by the end of this year is to have um, a handful, more than a handful of songs recorded, done, stamped, published, you know, the whole works um, out there. Um, so I can start hopefully, you know, marketing that and saying, Hey, this is what I can do. Or, Hey, do you want my song? Whatever it is. And, you know, make that another revenue stream in the long run, you know, whether it's placement in commercials or TVs or ads, or even, you know, jingles down the line, there's so many, uh, different ways you can go about that. But, you know, this last year has been taking the first step of saying, yes, I can do this. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And those, those end up being the the gifts that keep on giving too. It's amazing. Oh yeah. <laughs> How one, the life one song can live and, and mm-hmm. the amount of revenue it can generate, but that's, that's great. Um, we have another comment and I'm so sorry, but your name isn't showing up for me. You can throw it in the comments if you'd like, but they say, uh, there you go. Hike the price to a point where you begin to lose a few accounts helps establish a ceiling. And yeah, I mean, I, I would agree with that. And it's, and it's not, um, I love talking about pricing yourself as a musician. So this is a great question, but I don't know that it's hiking the price, but it's, it's really, you get to a point where once you understand what your value is and where that falls in the marketplace. Um, oh, Tim. Yes, Tim. I think we chatted about this before, um, that it's, it's completely appropriate to, price yourself at that level. And I I think you need to know where, where you're, where you are at what level of your career you're at. Obviously, if you're brand new to this and and haven't really established yourself yet, it's more appropriate to take lower paying gigs and everything. But once you've gotten to a level like that you're at, um, you know, you're not going to take a $50 bar gig unless you want to for the fun of it. What I say, my friends and I say, you know, every gig, it's either got to be worth it financially or, you know, it's got to be something fun, just something fun you want to do. Maybe you're playing with your friends or it's got to be a stepping stone to get to where you want to go. It's an investment. So if it doesn't hit one of those three criteria, you probably shouldn't do it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, After, uh, well, after being, um, in quarantine all this time and now things are like really, really starting to ramp up. Uh, did you kind of get used to a little bit of a slower pace of life? And are you, are you hoping to preserve a little bit of that and be more choosy with gigs or you're just ready to jump back? in? <laughs> oh yeah. Like the last two weekends I've had were insane. I, I, I just got back from acupuncture. I was telling my doctor, I was like, 
I don't think the average person could do, I mean, not to like toot my own horn, but I'm serious. Like, I don't think the average person could do what I do, you know, all day, every day, carrying gear, wearing high heels, dancing around, going to bed at one, two in the morning, waking up at six, like every day, all weekend. But I love it. I love it. I wouldn't have it any other way. Like, if I have too much, I love my downtime. I love going to the beach. I love doing yoga and just having a day of unplanned whatever I want to do. But if I have too much of that, I get, I get sad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I like, I like hustling. I like working hard. I like feeling productive. Um, I like learning. I like growing. I like helping people. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not doing those things, then. I'm not killing myself doing doing those things, then (laughs) I'm not doing it right. Yeah. I've kind of noticed that that seems to be a common thread amongst um, professional musicians that I've observed. And I think it is because... hustle didn't change for you during quarantine, but um, I, I like to bring this up a lot, that um, Rebecca Jade was my, my first interview that I did in this whole series way, way back when. And in our conversation, she made the statement that, you know, wouldn't it be a shame if we came out on the other end of this um, unchanged? And I, that has just, you know, it's stuck with me. And it, I think about it all the time, too, because yeah. when, when I'm looking into the future and, and how I kind of see things rolling out, I think, all right, how have I changed? And what am I, what am I letting go of? And what am I holding on to? And um, for you, have you identified any of those things, like big changes that you've made and, and how you'll be different going into this year? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I think I mentioned it earlier, like I don't want to be and I can't be a show pony for the rest of my life. Mm. Um, coming out of this, you know, I, I've been looking into investments, investing stocks, you know, I set up a 401k, IRA, like that whole thing coming out of uh, quarantine, um, just making sure that I'm looking ahead um, and not just looking in front of me at the hustle. Um, and also making sure that what I'm doing now is going to benefit me later on, mm-hmm. like big picture and, um, not so much in the sense of, cause I, I always did that as a performer, like, Oh, if I do this gig, then, you know, it's going to benefit me cause I'll get to do that gig later. Mm-hmm. No, if I do this gig or if I write this song, if I make this connection, you know, we're going to create something that's going to pay me later. <laughs> Mm-hmm. that kind of mindset um, and 
just really focusing on um, creating things that are going to last. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because we don't know what next year is going to be. We don't know what next month's going to be. <laughs> true. Totally and, true. Um, yeah, yeah, that's smart. That's really, really smart. I love to hear that. <laughs> yeah, so songwriting's been a, a, a big avenue with that. Mm-hmm. Um, not just playing violin and um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's what's your songwriting process like? Do do you have um, people that you're collaborating with? Do you like to write on your own? A little bit of both. Both. Yeah. Um, so I actually have a little setup. I'll like turn all my lights off. I'll light a candle. I got my LED like colored lights and my salt rock and um, just sit down. It's always late at night and just write whatever comes to mind. Um, I also have a couple projects with, um, I've got a project with Shane Hall. We're doing a duo project. We're doing some writing. Um, Hopefully that'll come out before the end of the year. Mm -hmm. Um, And then another, one of my friends, totally influential and key, amazing songwriter. Um, Yeah, I can't can't really say what he's doing yet because it's not like, Stamped. Basically, he's working on a, a, a nonprofit songwriting type platform. Um, oh, and so I've been working with him on that. And it's just been amazing. But I love co-writing. I've been reaching out to a lot of different musicians. I write with Ellis Bryant and uh, Kyle Hildebrand and um, even some people out in Nashville. Um, just, you know, trying to get different flavors and different styles and techniques and just write with everybody and anybody. One thing that I really learned from Nashville is there's power in teaming up and um, working together rather than, oh, this is my song. I'm a songwriter. Oh, you're a songwriter? What are your songs like? These are my songs. No, let's, hey, let's combine superpowers. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. What have you discovered your superpower as a songwriter is? Do you have kind of a niche thing that you really bring to the table in a collaboration? (laughs) In a collaboration, I will tell you, everything that's cheesy and everything that's too overthought, like too poetic, too over. Yeah. Um, But what I, at least what I'm discovering is, is when I put ideas out, it helps the other person think of whatever we're writing about in a different way. And I can ask them those questions and, you know, either compact it or make it broad. Um, And that's been really fun for me because it relates to kind of how I teach. Uh, I love teaching and I love figuring out how people learn Mm -hmm. and how people think and tapping into, okay, they're a visual person or, oh, you know, they like analogies or whatever it is. Um, So that's been really, really fun learning that about my creative process as a writer. Yeah, that's super valuable to be able (laughs) to be the person in the room that has the ability to draw out those things in people. You know, we need that. We need the, the someone who plants those seeds in our mind or, you know, mm-hmm. triggers us in some way. Yeah. And um, some people really do just have that ability to ask the right questions, catch the right vibes and, you yeah. know, and kind of capitalize on them. I mean, I think that's, that's obviously strong producer qualities, 
Um, and that's, you know, that'll definitely really, really serve you well. And, and just, you know, you can walk into a room knowing that that's, that's what I do. I'm, I'm going to be the person here that, you know, stokes the fire all night. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, it's been fun. I like learning about myself and this is a whole different avenue. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) lots of learning to be had. Yeah. Uh, Melissa, that's exciting. I, I am. I'm so glad we had the chance to talk tonight. Um, I just, I love watching your social media and seeing everything that you're doing. Uh, like I said, you're fire. You're just, you're seriously um, making some amazing moves, and I'm very, very happy for you. Um, I hope we get to have you play with the Mighty Untouchables again yes! sometime. We don't do it. Um, yeah. Um, but is there anything uh, you'd like to um, have everybody to go take a look at or are you, uh, where are you active on social media that you'd be posting everything? Yeah, um, definitely. My Instagram is probably, that's my baby. Everything goes through Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have YouTube, you can subscribe. Um, there'll be some videos coming up there in the next couple couple weeks. So um, please subscribe to my YouTube channel. If you just search my first and last name, you'll find it. Mm-hmm. And um, I've got a TikTok trying to keep up with the young kids on that. 